Hi, my name's Natalie. It's great to be with you at Barnabas this morning. I've actually been to your church building many times because I work with Martin Charlesworth at Jubilee Plus. Uh, Martin's actually my boss at Jubilee Plus, so I've been to your building many times and I'm sad that I can't be there physically and we can't be together there this morning but thank you so much for having me to speak. I'm actually based in Hastings on the south coast. Uh, I work for King's Church Hastings where I oversee social action as well as working for Jubilee Plus. Uh, I have the opportunity to write with Martin which is absolutely great and often I, I get to speak on subjects like poverty and justice as you can imagine working for Jubilee Plus and, and being involved in social action but this morning I'm going to be speaking about something that actually we might find a bit more difficult to hear about either because of our own experiences or the experiences of those that we love. So I'm going to be speaking on depression, basically finding life really really hard, finding ourselves in some very dark places as part of this mental health series. So if anything I say is triggering um, for you or it troubles you in any way, please talk to someone on the back of this talk. Please reach out to a friend that you trust, uh, you're maybe a midweek group leaders or one of your church pastors. If, if anything just unsettles you in any way, please do have those conversations. And for those of you watching with children, I just want to let you know that I'm going to choose my words carefully, which means I'm going to imply some things rather than state them explicitly. Uh, that's not in any way because I think we should shy away from using real words and being really vulnerable and really honest. It is just because I want to respect the fact that some of you may have children watching and they're just not old enough to have conversations about what does this word mean or what does that word mean. So that said, I am really glad to have the opportunity to speak on what I think is such an important subject. I, I think it's so important that as churches we address issues around depression, mental health issues really, uh, really clearly and, and hopefully helpfully as well. You know, during the coronavirus pandemic, what we've seen is every bit of research out says that mental health is, is getting harder for us to manage our mental health during this season, that mental health issues are on the rise, that the number of... Um, people feeling that life is pretty hopeless and pretty bleak is increasing at this time. Anxiety, stress and depression have soared to rates that are much higher than usual. And of course, there's so much uncertainty still ahead of us. Um, you know, we've we've gone into lockdown again, uh, but we're wondering when will life ever turn to normal? W will it ever return to normal. And so I think this season, if we're honest, is taking its toll on most of us in one way or another. Not all in the same way. For some of us, it's it's an inconvenience and for others, it's an utter catastrophe. There are differences in how we're experiencing this season, but I do think it's true that it is having an impact on all of us, whatever uh, stage of life we're at and however we are going through it. So in that context, I, I just want to share a little bit about some of my own experiences over the last seven years or so. Um, so I just want to kind of be really honest about the fact that if you and I were Facebook friends, uh, you would probably think that my life is wonderful. You would see pictures of me having a great time with my friends, often eating at their houses. I like to eat around other people's houses when we're allowed to do that. Um, having great days out and things like that. And I post funny stories about my mum, who just says the most amusing things. So I like to post about her. Um, I post updates on speaking engagements or, you know, the new book that Martin and I have just brought out. Um, or interviews I've been able to do with the media about poverty issues. My Facebook 
profile uh, probably makes my life look absolutely great. And, and honestly, in many respects, it really, really is great. Uh, my life is full and it is fun on the whole. Um, but what's on Facebook is also just a highlights reel. Because the truth is that for the last seven years or so, up to about 18 months ago, uh, those highlights that I've been posting on my social media were punctuating depths of pain and sadness that a lot of the time felt truly overwhelming for me. Um, if you've got a Bible, we're going to look at Lamentations. This is a pretty bleak passage of scripture, but if you've got a Bible and you want to turn to Lamentations 3 uh, verses 15 to 25, I'll read it to you as well. It says this, God has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me to cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So the honest truth is that while my life has been brilliant in many respects over the last few years, they've also actually truthfully been the hardest of my life. Uh, seven years ago, I hit a season of depression that felt at times like it had completely floored me, knocked me off my feet and, and honestly shaken my faith. Um, I've always battled with depression. At various points, I've taken medication and sought professional help. But I don't recall any time where it has been as prolonged and relentless as the most recent time. I felt like those words in Lamentations were literally true for me. The words where it says, my soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. My soul continually remembers my affliction and is bowed down within me. Um, my experience of depression is that there isn't always a clear cut reason for it. Sometimes it just creeps up on me out of the blue. Sometimes I just wake up in the morning and I feel this crushing weight of sadness that makes it hard to even get out of bed, let alone go on with normal life. But over the last few years, it was actually triggered by something awful that happened and then one awful thing after another. It basically felt like just this relentless onslaught of bad news, loss, grief, relationship breakdown and rejection and so on. And it wasn't just stuff that happened to me. It was stuff that happened to people um, that I love too. Life felt hard. And this, the, the great uh, Victorian preacher Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, there are times when all our evidences get clouded and all our joys are fled. Though we may still cling to the cross of Jesus, yet it is with a desperate grasp. And that's how I felt. My evidences were clouded. My joys had fled. And I clung to the cross of Jesus with a desperate grasp. It's hard to find words to describe what a season like this feels like. I mean, some of you listening will know full well what I'm talking about. But I tend to describe it now as a dark valley season 
borrowing words from Spurgeon, just like a dark valley season of the soul. During this season, I, I wrestled with God. I wrestled with myself. I wrestled with friends and work colleagues. Um, I wrestled with my past, with my present and with any sense of hope for the future. In fact, to be honest with you, it felt like a lot of past issues to do with self-worth and rejection. Issues that I thought were dealt with uh, had been resurrected in my life and dragged from my past to my present with new force. Like, like giants that I just couldn't see past, let alone defeat. And like I said, this went on for over five years. And there were moments that were better. It wasn't constant. Um, but it did feel like waves crashing down on me. And each time that, um, you know, I felt like I could get my head above water again to take a breath, another wave would hit me and knock me off my feet. And each time I felt like I'd reached the end of what I could cope with, something else would happen and things would get worse. At its worst, uh, one of my friends came to my flat in the middle of the night in her pyjamas because she was so worried about me. And when she told me that she was coming, I, I tried to put her off and I promised to her that I would keep myself safe and that I'd be okay. But she told me later that she'd come anyway, not just to make sure that I was safe, but because she knew that I felt like I was alone and that coming to sit with me was a way to show me that I wasn't alone. Do you know what? That was powerful. God spoke to me powerfully through it about him being with me and about him putting people around me. And during this time, I would cling to God whenever I could. Um, I'd learned in the past that running away from God is never a good idea. It's never the answer. Because back in my teens and 20s, when hard times or depression hit, I would run away from God. But I had learned that that's just it just never helps to run from God. He's our stronghold. He's our refuge. He's the one we need to actually run towards um, during these times. And so over years of walking with God, like many of you, I've, I've learned to run towards him in the valley seasons. And, you know, I've been described a few times as tenacious and usually that's not a compliment. Or it's not meant as a compliment. But actually what I did find is during this season over the last few years, I did keep running to God. Not always, but more often than not. I would take myself off to a beautiful place uh, just about a half hour drive away from where I live, which is like private grounds where you can walk around a lake and get lost in the woods and, and you can um, just spend time there praying or just walking around. And I would take myself off there to pray. And, and to be honest, often what would happen was I would get myself lost in the woods and I, I'd try to talk to God, but sometimes I'd just cry. Sometimes I literally would just weep and weep and weep. And, you know, in Psalm 63, verse eight, it says, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And that's exactly how it felt to me. It felt like I, I was clinging on, but God was actually upholding me. Even, even through the clinging and upholding, though, at its worst, I did start to question, does the gospel of Jesus Christ really work? Because you know what? The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me. So I found myself asking God, where is it then? Where is it? At the lowest point, I actually said to a couple of my friends, I think the word rejection is always going to speak a louder word over my life than the name of Jesus Christ. That's how bad it got for me as a Christian, just uh, struggling with what does it mean when life feels so awful 
when it feels so bleak. But even in the midst of this, I would at the same time cry out to God saying, God, I, I know that Jesus died for my freedom. And if, if the blood of Jesus has paid for my breakthrough, then God, I want it. I guess some of that tenaciousness coming out, some of that tenacity coming out, saying, saying if Jesus died for this, if Jesus paid for it, then, then please can I have it, God? I want it. I want everything that Jesus has won for me. And I have now had a fair bit of breakthrough with the things that I'm talking about. But I honestly don't know if I'll experience that level of depression again. It's a very real possibility that I will go through something similar to this again, because it has kind of characterised um, my life today. But I do know that God did some very precious and very profound things in my life during this most recent valley season. And, and also that those things happen during the process during the process of just working through some of these things. So my thinking started to change very slowly and very slowly. Um, I caught myself reacting to a specific situation with a different thought to usual. And I clocked it and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. It was to do with rejection and, and, and my thinking just slightly shifted and I, and I noticed it and I thought, hmm, that's, that's unusual for me to think about it that way. And, and then it was gone. But over time, I, I worked through this stuff with friends and actually with a professional counsellor as well. Um, and I found that my reactions began to change more and more, that my thought processes shifted. Um, I learned through counselling why I reacted to certain situations the way I did and how to settle my heart and my mind when I was upset. And of course, that's that's not to say the pain of those things goes away. The painful things still hurt and sad things still make me sad. But whereas a few years ago, I was worried that that word of rejection would be a more powerful force in my life than the name of Jesus. Now I know that's not true. And you know what's been amazing is that I have found so much wonder and joy in seeing the power of Jesus breaking through in these long held patterns in my thoughts and emotions I've seen so much just kind of it's the journey that brings the joy actually it's on the journey that that joy of breakthrough comes and and so the reason I wanted to share uh, some of my story is because um, I had a I've had a sense uh, actually all this year that God wants me to be much more open about my own struggles with depression and my um, mental health issues. Um, but also I think that it might help other people. And, and I just want to share a few of my thoughts um, that I hope will be helpful to you. So first of all, I just want to say it's it's good to get help. It's good to get help. I've mentioned that I had counselling. Well, in fact, I saw a fully qualified counsellor who also happens to be a Christian uh, for over two years. And, and truthfully, I still see him now when I'm struggling. Um, I actually just saw him a couple of weeks ago uh, because I'm, uh, if I need help, I will go back because it's been so helpful to me. So if you're struggling with uh, things that basically feel like they've been dominating your life for a long time and you don't seem to be able to get free then please don't be afraid or ashamed to ask for help. And honestly, I would say to you with complete uh, transparency, with complete honesty, that the money I spent on getting counselling was actually the best money I've ever spent in my life. 
Secondly, uh, you may be listening and actually you can't relate to my experience at all. You might think, oh, that sounds awful, but I've not been through anything like that. Um, life's been pretty okay for me. Uh, maybe you don't, um, haven't ever kind of really had kind of those deep valley seasons of the soul that I'm talking about. Um, you might never have suffered with depression or any mental health issues, but I'd be willing to bet that you know someone who is currently suffering. I think we all do. And, and so to those of you who think, well, I can't relate, I just want to say that often it was my friends who kept me going. So maybe you could keep other people going. Uh, two friends in particular would regularly say to me, I have faith for you. And do you know what? Usually I would turn around to them and say, well, I haven't. I would. I would say, I haven't. I haven't got faith. But they would say, we've got faith for breakthrough. And they would keep reminding me that they had faith. So let me urge you. Uh, if you can relate to my story or if you can't, have faith for the people around you. Keep praying, keep supporting, keep encouraging. People in the valleys often need others to keep hope alive when they can't, to keep lifting their heads to Jesus when they can't lift their own heads. So maybe you could be that for someone at the moment who you know is suffering or struggling. Thirdly, to those of you who can relate to my experience but feel like you're still in the middle of it, I just want to say to you that breakthrough might be closer than you think. That was my experience. Um, I'm not saying there's going to be some magic moment for you uh, where life's all wonderful forevermore. But for me, when the battle was fiercest and when everything got very, very dark indeed, a little did I know I was just a few weeks away from something shifting in my thought patterns. So don't give up. You don't know what's just around the corner. I would also say don't compare yourself to other people because comparison will kill faith, especially if you're comparing your worst day with someone else's best day or someone else's Facebook highlights reel like I've already talked about. One of the key things that I learned during this season is that there's actually more potential for growth in the valleys. It's not something we necessarily feel thrilled about, but this is something, this was perhaps the most profound lesson for me during this season, is that the mountaintops are great. They are, we love them, but actually there's no life on the mountaintops. Nothing grows on the mountaintops. Growth happens in the valleys. I am closer now to Jesus because of what I've been through than I was before. In fact, he has become so much more beautiful to me because of what I've been through and the journey I've gone on with him. I also learned during this season that God is more committed to our Christ-likeness than to anything else. I'm often, if I'm honest with you, very committed to my own comfort, uh, to life being as pain-free as possible, to my own convenience and happiness. But God's primary goal for my life, the main thing that God is concerned about, his primary goal is that I become more like Jesus. Romans 8, 28 is a very well-known Bible verse, but often we don't quote it in the context of verse 29. Let me read both verses to you. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What for? Why? It says to be conformed to the image 
of his son. God works all things together for our good, but the purpose of it is that we might be conformed to the image of his son. And when you start to find Jesus more and more beautiful, then being conformed to his image is actually something that you can find joy in, even in the most painful seasons of life. Let me just say, though, that before we fall into this trap of thinking that God lets us go through things to teach us lessons, we must remember that he is compassionate and gracious. In Isaiah 49, it says that God has compassion on his people who are afflicted and that he comforts us. In Matthew 9, we read that Jesus, seeing the crowds, was moved with compassion because they were helpless and harassed. And he responded with deep compassion towards them. Jesus is kind. He is tender hearted. He wants the very best for us and is right there in our suffering with us, having suffered himself. In Luke 22, it describes Jesus as being in emotional agony. So he empathises with us and he has compassion for us. Finally, I just want to say, don't disqualify yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't wait until you feel better or healed or whole to love others and allow God to use you in the lives of others. My experience has actually been that God wanted to do two things at the same time, which was to use me to help others and to bring some deep healing to areas of my life that felt very broken and very dark. And God didn't say, wait, I'll do one and then the other, which, if I'm honest with you, probably would have been my preference. So I said, let's get all the healing done, then we'll do the other stuff. But God said, no, let's do these two things together because God uses the weak and broken. He doesn't wait until we're strong. He doesn't wait until we're impressive or we've got it all together. No, he specialises in using those that others might write off or who would write off ourselves. Tim Keller uh, put this on Twitter earlier this year. He says, life-giving faith grows beautiful and pure in the same place that gold grows beautiful and pure, in the furnace. And, And we may not like that, But that has been my experience, that during the dark valley season of depression. Do you know what? I hoped that one day I would find peace with God over what had happened. I I felt I hoped that maybe I'll find peace with God over why he'd let me go through this horrible, awful season of life where everything just felt utterly awful. Um, That was actually the best that I hoped for, that I might... I might find peace with God about that. But do you know what? Actually, now the truth is that I'm grateful for that season. I'm grateful for the season that I've been through with God, because what God does in the valleys can end up being far more precious to us than what he does on the mountaintops. I really um, can't emphasize enough how true that has been in my life, that that what God has done in the valleys has ended up being so precious that if you ask me honestly, I would go through it again for how closely I now walk with Jesus, for how beautiful I find him now, for how precious and, and wonderful his work has been in my life. I never thought I would say something like that, but I can say it to you with honesty right now that I'm grateful for the season that he took me through because it's ended up being far more precious than the mountaintop seasons. I'm amazed that I can say it to you with complete certainty I'm amazed that I can say to you with complete certainty that given the choice between my Facebook highlights and what God has done in my life in the last few years, 
that without hesitation, I would choose his work in the valleys every day of the week in a split second. It's been that precious. I'd love to just pray if that would be okay. So Father, I just ask you for anyone who's listening to this, who's going through a valley season themselves right now, God, would you be with them? Would you rush in with your compassion? Would they, would they have a real uh, felt experience that you're with them, that you're compassionate, that you're kind, that you're tender-hearted, that you're for them, that you are working all things together for their good and you are making them more like you, Jesus. I pray you'd give uh, those who need it a fresh injection of hope and faith that, that what you're doing in this season will turn out to be precious to them. And God, for those who can't relate but know others who are suffering, God, I pray, give them opportunity, give them prompting, provoke them to, to keep having faith for those who've, who are running out of it for themselves, to keep having hope for those who feel hopeless. God, we thank you that you're not afraid of all our deep darkness that can come over us sometimes you thank you we don't have to hide it from you thank you we we read in lamentations but also in the psalms and other places even in jesus in the garden of gethsemane there's there's an agony that we can experience but you you know about it and you care about it and you're compassionate towards us in the midst of it so god i pray you'd come and fill us with hope again and would you have your way and do your work in us in jesus name amen thanks so much for having me with you this morning